If I can have your attention, it'll be very, very good. If you're regularly here, you know we're in this series we've entitled The Centred Playlist. Uh, you can pick up more details, uh, kind of booklets, leaflets, business cards uh, that kind of help us accompany this series. Where basically what we're doing is we're designing a playlist above all playlists to list, live our lives to. Uh, that we believe will shape who we are as a community and what we become as a community. And uh, what we said is there's three tracks of our playlist. There's three tracks that are loving God, loving the world, and loving home. Home is what we call church. And over the last couple of times, we've looked at track one, which is loving God. And today we're going to get to loving world. But before we get to loving world, I want to just quickly do a bit of a DJ review, given we've just had Muck, whatever his name is. Uh, Muck Light, we'll call him. Um, that, we'll, that I do a DJ thing of we're just going to mix in some tracks. So first of all, we started off with track one, Loving God, which is, if I can, my three volunteers, Emily, Andrew, Pete. What we discovered is that God is love. Father, Son, Spirit has always been love, eternally loved and loving and loved one another completely. <laughs> and what we found out is in that love that always existed between Father, Son and Spirit. Actually, out of that love was birthed the whole of creation. It wasn't a mistake, an accident, a thought. It was out of love, the overflow of God who was always existing in love. And then out of that creation being birthed in love, and mankind being, or humanity being the pinnacle of that creation, and then rejecting that love, it didn't end there. The overflow of that love then brought about the saving of the whole of humanity through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection in order that we could know that we're eternally loved. In order that we could know that we're those that are now in that love, not as those that look on at the love, not those that kind of stand in the middle of the love thinking, oh, wow, this is amazing, but rather those now that are caught up in the love, that are forever connected in this eternal love that has always been. Thanks, guys. That's track one, part one, side A. Side B is we got to a mirror. And what we said is because of that eternal love that we're always in, it then defines who we are. It causes us to look at ourselves completely different. That when we look in the mirror, we don't ever see one who's defined by our past experiences or our current circumstances or our future achievements. But rather, we understand that we're those that are defined by God's love towards us. 
His love revealed by grace. And we looked last week at this mirror that caused us to continuously live, knowing that we're defined by God's grace, which means we're forgiven, guilt-free, accepted, a child of God, eternity, eternally loved, free to live. If you weren't around last Sunday, listen to this one. It will fundamentally change your life forever. That's quite a bold claim. And what we said is that this mirror is one that you and I, through putting our uh, hope and centering our lives around Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, is meant to define us. It's what we're to look in all the time. It's the moment in which we celebrate. So whenever we gather together, we're able to celebrate in the wonder of how God has defined us. And we then get to share it with everyone in order that they too could know God defined him like this. Now the danger is, is we then think, well, to love the world means we carry around the mirror. It does mean that. But boy, does it mean so much more. And what I'm going to get excited very quickly, normally it takes me 10 minutes to warm up, is I haven't got those 10 minutes. Therefore, you're going to have to get the full force of Adrian Hurst. I normally kind of drip it in gradually. I can't do that this morning. It's like full bang, I'm in. Because we have to understand that the mirror is amazing in how it defines us. But it's part of something far bigger when it comes to loving the world. You see, Jesus came to cause us to live defined fundamentally differently in order that we know that we are those that are completely loved, in order that we then live within the world that we're in from that basis. Understand that we're not looking ever to gain acceptance or love because we've already got it all. Therefore, we live to seek to show acceptance and love. We get to live fundamentally differently in this world. We get to live loving the world. The question is then, how do we do that? It is in part the mirror, but as I said, it's something far greater and bigger than the mirror, which brings me onto the canvas. The problem is Amazon wouldn't get me a canvas big enough here by this morning. So it's this sort of size. To be honest, the canvas I wanted was the entire width of the room because I thought that would start to give justice to the picture of what it looks like when Jesus starts to reveal his love for the world. But to help us understand what this canvas is made of and how it reveals how we get to play our part in helping paint it in this world, I want us to look and start at a passage, Colossians 1, 19 to 20, where it says this. Paul writing about the wonder and the splendor of Jesus, who reveals who God is. He writes this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus didn't only die and rise again in order to bring peace, a redefinition of your and mine life. It wasn't in order that the mirror would only take place. Now we're told here that Jesus died in order to reconcile everything. In order to reconcile all things. What does that mean? Well, as far as I understand it, it means all, and it means things. It means that Jesus came to reconcile, in other words, to put right, to make them right with God again in his eternal love, everything. 
development. That, that's pretty big. You can start to see why I needed a slightly bigger canvas than what Amazon could deliver in 24 hours. I needed a massive one. Now, some of you are saying, why don't you plan a bit more ahead? That's just me, to be honest. And um, it was Thursday. I was doing okay for me. But, but in it, the canvas we need to understand the painting of what it looks like, of what Jesus is about, is enormous. Because Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, yes, causes us to live with a mirror, redefined forever, but it is fundamentally caused. Once he rose from the dead, it was a signpost to say, actually, everything's changed from this point on. And everything will change from this point on. You see, what Jesus came to put right is what was put wrong. At the very beginning, when God created the world, the universe, out of the overflow of his love, with humanity there as those that were to be the images of his love in this creative world that sustained life to reveal what it looked like to live in the goodness of God's love. We know what happened. That, that humanity said, oh, no, we're not going to live in your love. We, we think we could make it ourselves. We're going to curve in on ourselves. And in curving in on ourselves, what happened is we said, actually, we're going to be enough. We reject you, God. And it caused dire consequences. It caused these consequences that meant it became self-destructive for us. Self-destructive in our very beings. That We never felt that sense of ease or peace. It became self-destructive in our relationship with God in order that it de destroyed it. Because we said, actually, we want to make it our own. We don't want to be with you. It then became destructive in our relationships with one another. It became destructive within the whole of creation because what it led in was death and decay. So we live within a world that was birthed in love, but it's been broken. It was broken so that it meant brokenness in us individually, broken amongst one another, broken in respect to relating with God, and broken within the whole of creation. And what Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection is he came to put it right. He came to put it right. He came to put everything right, not just us, not just us, so we would individually be defined. Oh yeah, we're in right relationship with God now. We're in right relationship within ourselves. No, he came to put it right within our relationship with one another. He came to put it right in our relationship with the whole of the world. That's what it's going to look like then. What does the canvas look like? What does that painting look like when Jesus has reconciled everything? Because when we understand that, we begin to understand the invitation of what we've been invited to within this world now to pick up paintbrushes as we're going to see and start to play our part in painting this canvas. Which I think is a pretty cool thing, but we're not there yet. We've got to understand the canvas first. You see, what I've understood by people who seem to paint portraits is they don't just look in their mind's eye and think, all right, that's what it looks like. They kind of have a photo. They take a photo of the thing that they're going to paint in the day and age we live at, and they get their photo and they think, right, okay, now I've got my photo. I'm now going to look at that because as I look at that, it allows me to understand what I'm going to paint on the canvas. Now, in respect to when it comes to seeing the whole of the world reconciled through Jesus, we don't have a photo we do have a description. I have a description at the end of the book in the Bible, Revelation 21, 22, which starts to paint this picture, this word picture, of what it looks like when Jesus reconciles everything. And so all we're going to do is going to quickly read Revelation 21, verse 1 to 4, Revelation 22, verse 1 to 4. For me, 
This is what gets me up out of bed in the morning. I think this is phenomenal. This is our hope. This is also what we get to see, know, and then bring into being now. So this is what John writes. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the kind of workings of the city. It doesn't say that bit, but that's what the fill-in bit between 21 and 22 is. He's now getting to walk into the city. He says, showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. What we have here is John has this vision of what one day it will look like when the fullness of what Jesus accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection is worked out. And for some of us today, we won't actually get to the point of picking up the paintbrush because we're not there yet. We're going to have to get to the point of thinking, there is hope. That what I see around me isn't how it's always going to be. That Jesus' life, death, and resurrection springs hope to all of us. That promises he is renewing everything. But for us to understand that, we have to understand what this word picture is doing. You see, as we read it, it allows us to suddenly understand what this painting, this canvas becomes. Now, I'd love to say I've got the artistic talent to actually begin to reveal this. I haven't. So what I have to do is just use words to summarize what John is getting us to reveal. You see, what we find out about this canvas is that it is all earthed. See, when Jesus gets everything as it's meant to be, it's on earth. It isn't that it says that one day we're going to be taken away from this place and we'll get to dwell in the mystical galaxy somewhere in a far, far place. No, it says no, it's here on earth. It isn't that we get to be kind of these live wires flying around the cosmos. It says, no, 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 you're earth. Which I tell you what, it's so helpful to hear. It means that where we are now, is a home that we're always going to have. But it will look different. See, what we find out is that in this earth, there's a city. That's part of the picture. I love that fact. I love it's a city. See, somewhere along the line, we think, oh no, when Jesus gets it all back out, it's meant to be, there'd be a garden. That's what it was in the beginning. Now, the point of the garden was that's the starting point. It was always meant to go on from that point. God's instruction to humanity was, right, go and fill the earth and go and use what I've given you, and go and create. And so what you find is when Jesus finally gets the whole of the thing kind of back together as it's meant to be, there's a city. A city that's full of all the good things of a city. The creativity. 
the constructions. And it's full of none of the bad stuff. So we find that it's about a city, but with that city, we're told that it's about beauty. That we're told that this is a city like no other, that has this amazing garden in the very center. That has this river going along the main high street. A river that isn't any old river, it's a river that's actually life itself. This river of grace, unconditional love and mercy that flows from God's throne. It's there, we're told that there's these trees that are always bearing fruit. It's this place of natural beauty. It's also a place of unconventional beauty of what we see. See, when God gets the world how it's meant to be and has true beauty, it's full of people. See, the city isn't some empty shell. It isn't kind of I am legend moment where you've got one guy wandering around this kind of deserted city and you're thinking throughout the whole film, what is this about? Um, It's a city that's full of people, full of people who live there, who belong there. See, when God gets everything as it's meant to be, when he gets it all right, the pinnacle of his creation, the thing that he finds most beauty in is us. And it's full of us. The canvas of when Jesus gets it reconciled is full of beauty, natural, full of beauty, human. We then find, there's so much, I could carry on, sorry, if I had more time, I'd be going on for ages on this stuff, but I can't, I've got to keep going. See, we find that this is also a place where God himself dwells. It isn't that suddenly we feel, all right, we're all here, and then we know God's somewhere else. No, God has actually physically come and made his dwelling the earth. We're told that everyone will see him as we see each other. That we physically see the Father, Son, and Spirit. We're going to physically see them and know them. So it's a place where God dwells. We're also told because it's a place where God dwells, it's a place where there will always be comfort. It perplexes me and amazes me that the moment where we're described that God has got everything as it's meant to be, it says that he will wipe away every tear. I think that's phenomenal. That it isn't that suddenly we kind of enter this amazing reconciled place and we're kind of like these robots who've just arrived and think, I I kind of have this strange sense that I once existed, but I'm just here now and this is amazing. Now we're told that actually there's something about who we are and who we've been on this earth that's carried through to this new earth that means that actually some of the stuff that happened which we couldn't make sense of, God meets us in that place and says, I wipe away every tear. There's comfort here. We're told that there is no more. This stuff starts to get me excited. We're told there's no more death. We're told there's no more illness. We're told there's no more Suffering. We're told there's no more injustice. I don't know about you, but that kind of excites me. That cancer, that AIDS, that dumb colds will never get the final word. Did you know man flu has been proven to be a thing? Just as a quick aside. Um, It won't be there. No more illness, no more death, no more sense of that loss of someone who we truly love, we know is the pie, because suddenly we realize it's never going to happen again. We're always going to be together forever. There'll be no more suffering, no more injustice. 
The stuff we know isn't full of integrity. Stuff we know is just not right. It's not going to be there. When God gets us all as it meant to be, that stuff is no more. We're also told there's one more no more. There's no more division. I'm told there's this tree that's for the healing of the nations. What happened? Sorry. I feel, I feel a bit funny now. No, let's carry on. So no more division. You see, in this moment where there's a healing of the nations, suddenly Jesus is able within himself to reconcile every race, people, group, tribe, and family. Everything that's broken will be whole. The Middle East won't be a problem. The Ukraine won't be a problem. The poverty trap between the developed and the developing world will not be there because there will be no division. Everyone will be one. And then we're told that it's a place of safety. We're told here that God's, there'll be never night. It's always going to be light, but it's not like a natural light. It's just that God himself will be the light. We're also told, actually we didn't read it, but in 20, Revelation 21, we're told that this city has walls, but a gate that's always open. You only leave a gate open because it's safe. We're told this is a place of complete and utter safety. It's a place where there's no fear. It's a place where you can wander around and not worry at all. It's a place where you can leave your door open and know it's okay. It's completely safe. See, when Jesus says, I'm going to reconcile everything, when Paul writes it down and says, oh, in him, everything has been reconciled, we're going to get this picture and say, oh, everything. It means this image, this canvas, this painting that we get to see that means to know that we're the most optimistic people on the planet. And things are only ever going to get better. When people are there saying, oh no, it's all going to pop. Oh no, no, we know a different story. We know a different end game. That actually one day there's this amazing new moment that's going to come. Where fully what was started through Jesus' life, death and resurrection is going to be fulfilled something new. But this isn't the end point. You see, why I've been speeding through is because we could finish here, but to hear means in wonder and awe of Jesus, which is not a bad place, is it? Wonder and awe of Jesus. See, if we're not here in wonder and awe of Jesus, I, I don't know what does, because we can be in wonder and awe of Jesus thinking, man, but he's done that for me in terms of my identity. You then think, oh no, but Jesus, not only can he sort out me, he sorts out everything. I don't know who you think Jesus is, but he is amazing and all-powerful and all-able. And he also wants to use you and me to help paint. So you get to Matthew 5, 14, message version, my favorite version of this passage. And we find in the right kind of writer of the message version, the words of Jesus, you're here, that's us, as followers of Jesus, to be liked bringing out the God colors in this world. Jesus says, that, that's what you're, you're painters now. You're painters of the grand canvas. Isn't that one day you might be a painter? No, you are. If you put your hope, faith, trust in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, pick up a paintbrush. Because the reason you're here now is to paint out the fullness of what he's done. And we get to do that wherever we've been uniquely placed. 
Every single one of us has been uniquely placed in our families, households, communities, streets, workplaces, recoveries, um, mental illness, uh, education kind of establishments, um, I'll keep going, uh, seeking of work, uh, shops that we're working in, shops that we shop in, toilets we visit, wherever it is, we've uniquely been placed it's there that God says, pick up a paintbrush because it's, it's time to get painting. And when I paint kind of bland, it isn't just like, oh, let's just paint the whole thing white. No, we paint in God's colors. It means that everywhere that you uniquely, I uniquely have been placed, we get to now paint this stuff into being. We get to be those who go in and say, oh, you're ill, are you? I, I want to pray for you because... One day there will be no more illness. And part of what I get to do is I get to carry a paintbrush around and say, hey, do you know what it's going to look like? It's going to look a bit like this. And so I expect that Jesus can come and heal you. It means that wherever we go, we get to know, say, actually, where I go, I get to bring God's presence. Because one day God's going to dwell here. And actually, I get to add the color of God dwelling now in this place uniquely through me. I get to show the color of the no mores. Of no more injustice. I get to show and say, stand up and say, do you know what? I'm going to act with integrity. I'm going to seek to live after what's right. I'm going to sign that petition. Oh, but what does it matter? It's just a petition. No, it's a, it's a moment of saying, oh, do you know what? That's part of the color that's to come. Standing up for injustice. It means that we get to be those who paint that color of comfort. Whether it's making a cup of tea, listening to someone, putting an arm around them, that suddenly what we're doing in that moment isn't some kind of nice gesture. It's where we've picked up a paintbrush and we've started to brush the colours of what it is to come of this amazing canvas when Jesus reconciles everything through himself. Whenever we seek to bring safety in a situation, we're adding the colour. And you see... As we add this color in the unique places that we've been placed, we get to reveal the master artist. We get to reveal the one who is ultimately the constructor, the thinker, the ideas person of this painting. We get to be what those who reveal the wonder of who Jesus is. So that we can come alongside and say, the wonder of what you've seen here, the colors that you've seen, the vibrancy, that's who God is. And he longs to meet with you in order that you'd be defined like me with a mirror like that and get caught up in picking up a paintbrush and painting a canvas like this. When God calls us and calls us up into loving the world, it's not like some small thing. It's that we get caught up in his eternal love plans for the whole of this planet. That one day we will see them and you find writers who try and picture what it'll look like. So you can read C.S. Lewis, The Last Battle. You can read Randy Olcorn, Safely Home. And you get these images where writers are trying to picture this. And the only way you can get it is they, they get to this point and say, think of the most amazing place you can in this planet. And I wonder what that is for you. Think of the most naturally amazing place you can in this planet. And then just think through the fact that that's that amazing, though it's full of decay and death. What will the vibrancy of color dimensions be when it isn't? We're a people of hope, 
And we get to paint the colors of hope throughout this world. And as we do it, simply in small gestures, it causes us to provide an image of the one who's orchestrating it behind us. So that we're able to draw others in, into the wonder of who this Jesus is. And the love that he has for this world. So we finish where we always finish off with. We pause. How are you doing? One to five on this. We center. What action do we need to take? What is it, what's the stuff we need to do? What's the stuff we need to stop doing? And then we continue. We say, well, who are the people who are going to help me do this? See, the point isn't like trying to find fun ways to present the wonder of what Jesus has done. The point isn't that we kind of think, all right, kind of all right, then how it matched up to last week. The point isn't we think, well, I'm not that artistic. The point is this, that we're here for a reason. And we're here as those that can experience God's love and cause others to see his love. And how we do it is we just keep saying, God, would you give me everything I need to bring all the colors of who you are everywhere I go. So should we stand up? I'm going to pray for us, then we'll be done. (coughs) Jesus, I thank you so much for being with us today. I thank you whenever we stop and just gather together, there's purpose in it. It's not that we looked for you to do what you've done before, but we look to say, God, we gather around you who never changes, and yet your desire is always to do us good and meet us where we're at. And I thank you where you're doing that today. We thank you for the fact that we each carry around now with us a mobile phone that gives us this direct contact to you whenever, wherever. And I thank you, God, that being phone bearers doesn't just mean that we just live alone. It means that we live shaped differently in this world. And I pray, God, that over the coming days, weeks, and months, we would learn more and more the wonder and the awe of picking up the paintbrush in our lives to paint the unique colors that you have done throughout our lives. God, I I thank you for the unique worlds that you've placed us in. And I pray, God, that we would expend ourselves through you, Holy Spirit, in painting the wonder of what you've accomplished, Jesus. And that as we do that, I pray we'd see many, many others come into the realization of who you are, Jesus, and pick up paintbrushes like us in order that we see this world revealing the color that you truly want it to be. So we ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen.